Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Great to see you guys. It is Mission Sunday. My name is Mark, and I'm your missions pastor here at Faith, and it is my joy to welcome one of my good friends to the stage today to share with you and to encourage you and inspire you about how you think about missions and the nations and the heart of God. Are you guys excited today? I'm super excited. So Fred Marker, before he comes up, I just want to say I've known Fred for almost 20 years and he is one of the foremost mission strategists on the planet today. That means that he's really, really smart. Were you homeschooled? You probably were homeschooled. And so he has got his arms around the big mission of what God is doing in the nations today. And he is going to share some things with you today that will encourage you greatly. So would you join me in welcoming Fred to the stage today? Thanks, Mark. Okay, let me pray for you, and then I know you've got a come lot home. to give us, so we'll let you yeah, after it. Jesus, thank you so much for my friend. I pray that you'd pour through him with the power of the Holy Spirit, and that you would move our hearts and minds in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Well, it's great to be here with you guys. Uh, I love your church. You're in kind of the belly of the beast of Colorado, the liberal area of Colorado that really needs Jesus. So I'm glad that you're such an outpost and a lighthouse in this part of uh, our state. I live down in Colorado Springs. So uh, I pray for you guys up here all the time. It's been many years since I spoke here and I've always had deepest respect for all of you. And like Mark said, we've been friends for over 20 years. You know, and so there's a lot of heart connections here with you guys. Hey, I'm going to talk about serious stuff this morning. So I want to start by laughing. I love to laugh. I don't know about you. Laughter is so good for the soul. Listen, happy people change the world. Grumpy people don't change the world. Be happy, not grumpy. Okay, so we got to laugh. So I collect signs uh, from around the world. Here's some supermarket signs that I've uh, stumbled on. Boneless bananas. <laughs> I've been doing bananas wrong all my life. <laughs> I didn't know that I was supposed to get the boneless kind. That would have made it a lot better, right? Baby needs beers and wines. <laughs> baby needs beers and wines. All you young families, this is how you keep baby happy. <laughs> baby needs beers and wines. <laughs> Open nine days a week. <laughs> that staff is very tired, I'll tell you. Um, just some others I found, like this one. Yes, there is a hell. <laughs> it's actually, this one's in Michigan. And yes, it does freeze over. <laughs> <laughs> in case you're wondering. <laughs> I found some warning signs in different parts of the world, like this one down in uh, Australia in the subway. It says, touching wires causes instant death, you know, skull and crossbones. $200 fine. <laughs> how do you collect? <laughs> if someone touches the wire, how do you collect? That's what I want to know. Or this one, a neighbor of mine up in Montana, I have some property up there. It says, pray and meet God, trespass and meet him sooner. <laughs> and he's serious. Everyone up in Montana is packing. <laughs> then there's traffic signs I've come across like this one. <laughs> if you find yourself there, you are going nowhere. <laughs> you get out your sleeping bag, you're stuck. Nowhere to go. Or this one. This is in Wisconsin, right? If you live in a place where you need this sign, <laughs> falling cows, <laughs> it is time for you to move. Okay. I know that's a groaner. That's a groaner. But, but that's really real. Falling cows. <laughs> and then, so you guys, I, I just love to laugh. Okay, what I want to talk to you today is what I call healing the gospel, you guys. 
Uh, we're about 501 years into Protestantism. And, you know, so we're young as a movement in history, to be honest. And so I think uh, there's progress in our understanding of God and the Bible as we get more and more mature as a church. And so the reformers didn't know everything. They knew what it took to take the first step into Protestantism. We've been developing ever since. But I think we're at a point where we need to rethink the gospel in light of the scripture. Um, and so I call this message healing the gospel because I think the gospel that we preach has is a little bit, uh, it's kind of like has a slight cold and we need to see it healed completely. So I wanna kind of change your whole paradigm and the way you think about the gospel because it's a lot different than I was taught when I was in Bible school, okay? So in Mark 16, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So this is his basic call to every one of us in the church. So we better understand what it is if Jesus told us to do this. Now gospel, if you look in, in, a, in a dictionary, it's gonna say good news. Gospel is good news. We knew that, we know that. So here's my first point. If what we're preaching to unsaved people doesn't sound like good news, then we're not preaching the gospel. <laughs> if it sounds judgmental, if it sounds antagonistic, if it doesn't sound like, whoa, this is the best news ever, then we're not preaching the gospel. So I want us to rethink what the gospel is. It's good news, that's the definition. Now, in Bible school, they taught me there's, in the Bible, there's one verse that will give the definition of any idea, and then the rest of the Bible explains it. And so we do have uh, one verse that tells us what the gospel is. And I test people when I go and teach. I give them a little test to see where they're at. I say, tell me the gospel message in one sentence. And I get John 3:16, Jesus died on the cross for us, things like that. But that's not what the Bible defines the gospel as, you guys. In Galatians 3:8, we have the clearest definition of the gospel that God has given us. It says the scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham saying, I'm going to send Jesus to die on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins and the eternal salvation of your souls. Is that what he said? No, it's in fact, you guys, in the four gospels, 17 times it says Jesus went about preaching the gospel. It says 17 times he did that before the cross even happened. So what was he preaching? <laughs> it wasn't the cross because it hadn't happened yet. It was something different, right? So we've got to find out what is that different thing that Jesus was preaching. So like Paul said, God foresaw that he would justify the unreached peoples as another way to say Gentiles. So he preached the gospel in advance to Abraham saying, all nations will be blessed through you. Now that's a different kind of gospel message than we usually hear, isn't it? And yet Galatians defines the good news is, all nations will be blessed through us, the church, right? And in fact, that scripture that Paul quotes uh, in Galatians is actually Genesis 12, one to three. That's not the only place in the New Testament that that scripture is quoted. Peter, the second time he ever preached in public after the, the day of Pentecost, he said, here's the deal. I'm gonna preach the gospel. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many have, have spoken, have foretold these days. And you, all of us, are the heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers when he said, through Abraham, through your descendants, plural, all nations on earth will be blessed. So for the second time in the New Testament, in the context of the gospel message, God uh, re refers us to Genesis 12, one to three, saying the gospel message is all nations on earth will be blessed through, 
through Abraham's descendants. That's us, right? The church. Okay, another time in Hebrews 6, okay, uh, the writer of Hebrews in the context, context of saying, here's the gospel message. It's what God said to Abraham when he gave him this promise saying, I will surely bless you and then through you bless all the nations of the earth. And when he said that through Abraham, God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs, all of you, of what was promised. So three times in the New Testament, this verse in the Old Testament is quoted and it's defined as the gospel message. And so if it's repeated that often, we better understand what it is. And let's look at the original verses. Here's the gospel according to Paul and Peter and the writer of Hebrews. God says, Abraham, I will bless you. That is the gospel message. Our God is a God of blessing. He is for us, not against us. He wants to help us, not harm us. He wants to cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. He is merciful, compassionate, tender, and kind. He wants us to have good homes and good education and good medical care. He wants us to be blessed. He is a God of blessing. That's the good news, right? But it doesn't stop there and you will be a blessing. You won't keep those blessings to yourself. You know, all nations on earth will be blessed through you. So that's the good news. God is a God of blessing. He's not a God of cursing uh, or he's not against us. He wants to bless us, but we will not keep the blessing to ourselves. We are to give the blessing to all the nations of the earth because he's big enough to bless the entire planet. That's the heart of God. Bless everyone everywhere in the, in the world. So the good news is God is a God of blessing. Okay, where do we start the good news, the gospel, when we preach it? We often start in Protestantism. We often start at man. You're a sinner, <laughs> there's no hope for you apart from the blood of Jesus and you need to come to the cross. Where does God start the good news? At himself. I'm a good God. I am a God who wants to bless you. I'm not against you, right? He starts with him because that's the best news in the universe is that God is on our side. So the real good news didn't start with Jesus it's been throughout eternity. The good news is the nature and character of God himself. He is a good God, and no other religion on the planet has a good God. Every other religion has a God who's angry, a God who judges, a God who kills and destroys through volcanoes or, or horrible things that happen. We are the only ones who have a good God. And so it's the nature and character of God himself that is the good news. And that's people, unsaved people's biggest challenge is not that they're sinners, but that their view of God is warped. Uh, they think, well, God isn't a good God. He's against me, he hates me. Often because of our preaching, we sound kind of harsh towards unbelievers at times in our Protestant evangelical history. We can come across as harsh, um, and so people don't view God as a loving, tender, compassionate God. They think you're just a bunch of crabby old people who are yelling at us, you know? And that's, that's not, and so we have got to first talk about who God is because that's what we've got to redeem in people's minds, their view of who God is. They think, how can God be loving when my two-year-old son wandered into the street and got hit by a car? How can God be merciful when my mom died of breast cancer, right? How can God be all powerful if a Hitler can do what he did on the planet, right? That's their view of God, a warped view. So our role is to correct the view of God and that will lead people to him too. Uh, so that's why three times in the New Testament, it points to Genesis 12. I will bless you and you will be a blessing, and through you, I will bless all the nations of the earth. That's the message. 
So the death of Jesus on the cross alone is not the good news. The cross is a result of the good news. If God wasn't good, he wouldn't send Jesus. But because he's good, he sent Jesus. And that's what Paul tells us in Romans. He says, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, we're in rebellion, actively working against him. He is so good, so loving, so compassionate, so tender that Christ came and died for us to get us out of it. See, that's the good news and the way we need to be preaching it, right? And so, um, in fact, in Acts, when Peter preached, even sin is talked about in the context of blessing, right? It's not, you filthy sinner. What did, what did Peter say? When God raised up his servant Jesus, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. So the first blessing is God gets us away from our wicked ways that are destroying us. But even the preaching of sin was in the context of how it's a blessing from God, not this harsh condemning type message. So we've got we've to really bring healing to how we preach the gospel, right? We see that attitude in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Paul says, why do you think so lightly? of the riches of his kindness, of the riches of his tolerance, of the riches of his patience. Don't you know that the kindness of God leads people to repentance, right? See, that's the good news, the good God who's trying to woo a lost and dying world to himself and then empower those people to bring that same message to all the nations of the earth, see? So, what is the good news? God is for us, not against us. He's on our side. He doesn't want to punish us. He doesn't want to judge or condemn us. He only wants to heal us based on our repentance and faith. So that's what the Bible calls the good news. In fact, I'm in a mission called You Through the Mission, YOM, and we've put together a Bible that examines all the verbs in the Bible. And you know the top three verbs in Genesis that God says, uses about himself? It's not God punishes, God's angry, you know, God, uh, it's the, the top three verbs God uses for himself are God gives, God blesses, God creates. What does that say about who God is? Is that God is a good God and that's our message, right? Uh, in fact, we did another study of the Bible and just studied all the commands of the Bible. And you know what we found? 80% of God's commands are stated in the positive. <laughs> do this, do that, etc. And of the 20% that are stated in the negative, most of them are things like don't fear, <laughs> don't worry about tomorrow. Very little of the Bible is thou shalt not. <laughs> but what do we preach when we preach the gospel? The thou shalt nots and all this stuff. And so many lost people have a distorted view of God and what the good news is. Look at Matthew 5. It reveals the heart of God too. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous because he loves everyone. He's a good God who wants to bless us. And so, and through us, bless all the nations of the earth. That's what Jesus said. He said, you have me all wrong, you guys. So I came to live this out so you can see who God is. If you watch me, you'll see who the Father is. And what did he do? He said, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. So the good news God is a God of blessing and he wants to bless us and then use us to tell the whole world everywhere that he can bless them too. That's the gospel message. Now let me show you how this works, right? Here's a graph of all the nations of the earth by quality of life. Those on the right, best quality of life. Those on the left, worst quality of life. Okay, and I wanna show you the power of the cross of Jesus Christ and who our God is. I know the, the woman who put this graph together um, 
And one morning, she was a believer, and one morning in prayer, God said, color code that graph according to religion that's predominant in the country. She'd never thought of doing that. So she got out her pencils and colored, and this is what she found. Uh, yellow and purple are Hinduism and Buddhism. Green is Islam. Oh, no, yellow and orange are Hinduism and Buddhism. Green is Islam. Purple is Christianity. What does this graph show us? And this is actually UN statistics that are at, at, at what this graph is about, that it's all the Christianized countries where the gospel is, where the church is, is existent, have the highest quality of life. Why? Because God is a God of blessing. And the first blessing is he turns us away from our sins. And then the next blessings are, you know, good food, good health care, good education, good, you know, ugh, good housing, right? That's who God is, a God of blessing who wants to bless the whole world with that. And so this UN graph actually shows that where the gospel is, the countries have the highest quality of life. We can see it too. Here's a graph of infant mortality. For every thousand babies born, how many die? Look at about the fifth one over is Djibouti, uh, the red one. That's the Muslim world. The red is all the Muslim countries. In Djibouti, out of every thousand babies that are born, 200 die in childbirth or right after childbirth, right? In the Hindu world, the yellow, we see it's uh, infant mortality is high too, of uh, babies dying in childbirth or right after. But I'm gonna put overlay now, the Christian countries are infant mortality, look at that. What does that show you? God is a God of blessing. If we follow him as a country, we are blessed in every way. Our health is good, our education is better, et cetera, et cetera. So what's the best thing we can do for the world? Preach the gospel to all the nations of the earth. The UN isn't gonna fix India. <laughs> it's planting the church that will fix the poverty in India and everything else. And that's what Paul tells us in Ephesians. He said, God's intent is that through the church, through the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known in the whole world, right? It's the church that is the transformational agent on the planet, not the United Nations, definitely not the US military. And we need it, not against it. There's a purpose God has for the military, but no other institution other than the church can bring positive transformation to the world. That's what Paul tells us here. And so and it's the message of God. I'm blessing you so you can bring this blessing to all the nations of the earth so they can all have high quality of life and be blessed too, right? By turning away from their sins. So our job is to make Jesus famous everywhere. That's our job as the church. Make Jesus well known everywhere so that people can follow him. So we're all called by God to both make Jesus famous where we live, in our own city and region, and to the ends of the earth, to the people who don't know God. And there's three main ways we do that is through our praying, praying for our own city and region and area to come to know God, our giving in churches like this that are great stewards and really have God's vision for our country and the world, and then by going, both in our city, you know, to reach the, un the unsaved in our city, as well as sending missionaries to the ends of the earth. You guys are doing a great job in missions. I've looked through the uh, the flyer that was handed out, you guys are doing a really good job already. You know, so I wanna commend you for that, Pastor Jason and Mark, what you're doing. So um, I wanna say good job. And it's because churches like yours uh, are the kind that are doing a good job. My heart is to see churches like yours and my home church do even more about bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth, right? And we see that all throughout scripture, that's what God is commanding us to do. Make him well-known, make him famous everywhere. Look at Psalm 72. It says, all nations, all of them, none left out, all nations will be blessed through him. The gospel will get there of the God who's a God of blessing and he will bless their country. All nations will be blessed through him 
and they will call him blessed. They'll say, wow, you are a good God. You're a God that is forgiving, merciful, tender, compassionate, kind, tolerant, patient, right? The whole earth will be filled with his glory. That's the vision of God, that all nations will be blessed, okay? Isaiah 49, Um, what what Isaiah tells us, it's too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I've kept, okay? So who are Jacob and Israel? The people who already knew God, the Israelites, they knew God. So he says, I want you to work on restoring Jacob and Israel. You know, those are what we call unsaved people. You know, you don't have, and, but there's, that's a difference between unreached people. Let me read the whole thing and I'll explain it. He said, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, what we call the unreached people, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. So there's a difference between unsaved and unreached. Unsaved, you only have unsaved in Arvada and Denver and in our country. That means the gospel is available everywhere 24-7. It's available in churches. It's available in Christian books. You know, it's available through Christian concerts. There are Christians sharing their faith. It's available if anyone isn't saved, it's because they don't want to be saved. The gospel's there, they just don't want it. That's what we call unsaved. Unreached is just the opposite. It means the gospel isn't there. No churches, no Bible, no Christian concerts, no Christian books. Even if they wanted to get saved, they couldn't because nothing there exists to tell them about the good news of Christ. So we've got lots of unsaved people here in Denver and Boulder that we need to get saved for Jesus, you know, because I'm Colorado's so beautiful, I'm claiming it for God, <laughs> you know, that we get back to being a really godly state. Right? So what Isaiah is saying, I want you to do two things. I want you to reach out to the unsaved, the Israel and Jacob, the people who have access to the knowledge of God, but that's not enough. It's too small to just do that. I also want you to bring the gospel to the unreached, those who've never heard it, you know, and that's what we call missions, Okay. Look at this, Psalm 46.10. Everywhere, God tells us what he wants us to do. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So God is saying, get my gospel out there and make me famous in the nations that people can see me and come to me and lift up my name. You know, that's the will of God. So where are we at in this, you guys? 2,000 years into the church age, how far have we gotten to reaching the unreached. I can tell you, we've gotten 58% of the world has the church, has the gospel, has the Bible, you know, has the ability to come to know God. 58%, good job. But there's still 42% of the world, 3.2 billion Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists who don't have the church, who don't have a Bible, who don't know the message of Christ, right? That don't know God's a loving God. Muslims think God is an angry God who doesn't forgive, right? And they don't see him as personal. In fact, when Muslim in Muslim heaven, God never appears. They're always forever distant from God. We get to see the face of God and hang out with him, see? That's how good our God is. In Hinduism, they have the gods of death, you know, and destruction, Kali and Shiva. They see God as angry, you know? And so, we, most of 3.2 billion people have a perverted view of who God is and we've got to get the gospel message to them. That is 42% of the world still without the gospel. So we've got some work to do, right? Most of them live in this part of the world called the 1040 window, 10 degrees above the equator to 40 degrees from Northern Africa across the Middle East to Asia. That's where those 3.2 billion live. So that's our prime target to get the gospel to them. Two billion of them have never heard the name of Jesus even one time. They don't even know who Jesus is. That's how, that's how much work is yet to do, why missions is so important, and why I love churches like yours who are already doing a great job. You know, good on you guys. Thanks for your faithfulness. And you guys, not only those who don't have access to the gospel, there are 3,000 languages that still don't have a Bible in their own language, you know. Uh, In one unreached people group, someone was preaching from the Bible and 
You know what one of the national people said, came up to the preacher and said, if your God is so smart, why doesn't he have his book in my language? Right? So that's where we're at, you guys. We've got a lot of work to do to get the message out. And this is what it looks like in the world. 42% unreached, don't have the church, the Bible, a way to get the gospel. The green is the, uh, where the gospel already is, like America, Europe, Australia. And these are where they partially have the gospel. Now this side, this is how we send our missionaries. 83% of our missionaries go to this part of the world. Only 4% of our missionaries go to this 42% who don't have the gospel. So you see an unbalance here. And you hear a lot about justice right now in our country, social justice, all kinds of justice. Let me tell you the biggest injustice. The biggest injustice is this many people not getting the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. That's the biggest injustice on the planet and the one we need to fix by getting missionaries over there. So that's our, our job. Now, where are we at in doing that, you guys? Let me tell you, this is the growth of the mission force throughout history. God said, blessed to be a blessing to all the nations. From the birth of Jesus to the year 2000, every year, the number of missionaries grew. Till the year 2000, we had 430,000 full-time missionaries preaching the gospel, okay? Um, but in the year 2000, something happened. For the first time in, in all of history, the mission force began to decline. And since then, we've lost 13% of our mission force globally at a time when the world needs Jesus more than ever before, right? And you know what the majority of that decline is from? America. We have lost more missionaries than any other country on the planet. So we have had, since 2000, almost lost a third of the American mission force because so much of the church has forgotten that God is a God of blessing and we will share that blessing to all the nations on, on the earth, right? We've forgotten that in the past 20 years and got inward focused. And as a result, how many of you notice we have problems in our country? Notice that? <laughs> I'll tell you why. Blessed to be a blessing to all the nations. When we stop blessing the nations, what happens then? Our blessing decreases. And so the biggest thing we can do to turn our country around is to once again commit ourselves to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's God's biggest desire, that everyone gets the blessing of knowing him. And if we want to be blessed, we should bond our hearts with the things that are on the heart of God. And so we've got to see a new mission movement out of America here. Too much is given, to whom much is given, much is required. The American church is 10% of global Christianity, but we have 60% of all global Christian money. We have 70% of all global Christian technology, and we have 75% of all global Christian training resources. What does that say? We have the biggest obligation from God to share those blessings with all the nations of the earth. So that's why we've got to step up as the church of Jesus Christ. What do we really need to do if we're going to repair the damage that's happened in the past 21 years and see God's blessing restored on our country? Out of America, we've got to raise up 200,000 brand new young career missionaries from healthy local churches like Faith. You're a healthy church, and those are the kinds of missionaries I want from healthy churches, right? 200,000, that sounds like a lot, but you know what that is? That's six-tenths of 1% of our 18 to, no, 16 to 29-year-olds. Six-tenths of 1% of our 16 to 29-year-olds would be that number to go out as missionaries. So is that doable? Yes, it absolutely is. Why do I say young? Here's me, age 20, total babe magnet. <laughs> Here's me, age 50, women flee in terror. <laughs> I took this picture after 30 hours on a plane from India, right? 
if this guy goes to India, he's going to collapse dead in three weeks. This guy will preach the gospel for 40 years. We need a new mission sending movement uh, out of America. That's why churches like yours are so critical, you guys. Jesus said, so I want to just leave you with this. Oh, I've got to show you this, and then I'm going I'm to wind this down. You know what the top-selling Christian book was in 1911, a little over 100 years ago? The Unoccupied Mission Fields of Africa and Asia. Number one bestseller in all of Christendom was a book about missions and where the gospel isn't yet and where we need to take it. You know, I have this book at my house and in the crest it talks about, it has a great commission and then it has a map of the unoccupied mission fields where they don't have the gospel. You know what that map is? It's a map of the 1040 window today. The map of the people who don't have the gospel has not changed in 100 years. So that's what we need to correct, you guys, because our great God, so loving, kind, tender, compassionate, wants to let the whole world know who he is, okay? So what do we need to do, you guys? Um, this has led to, in our country, um, our country's in massive decline. In fact, uh, I could tell you all the bad stuff that's happened. It's really bad. Our country, I'll just bottom line it for you. We are so sick. There have been 26 superpowers in 5,000 years of history before us. 26. We're the 27th in 5,000 years. All of them collapsed. All of them collapsed in the same way. We are repeating the pattern, not even doing it in a new, different way. We're doing it the same old way everyone's done it for 5,000 years of history, and we're this close to collapse as a country. That's how close we are. We're this close to collapse. You know, our country are, is looking more and more like that. In fact, I know some of the, uh, I can't say that. Let's just say I know people on the inside and the government and they are terrified about the condition of our country and they're hiding it from us so we all don't panic. We're close to collapse. We need a turnaround. We need to rethink everything, you know. And so you know what we need in America? We need another great awakening. It is the only thing that will save us. And what do we need to be awakened to? The biggest thing is what the gospel message is. We're blessed to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth, right? And so there's a thing coming, be announced next year called the Great Awakening Project, a whole bunch of us working together to come alongside churches like yours to see the complete re-evangelization of America, you know, and the growth of the church in our country, right? Yeah, so right now, Right now, uh, I can't announce, but some of the biggest names in the kingdom, we're all strategizing to see how we can come alongside churches like yours to help so that we can re-evangelize Denver and this whole area and do that all over the country. Um, you guys, there's another resource. So I want you to keep your ears open for the Great Awakening Project. The second one, uh, there's a, my, our ministry, YWAM Ascend, has developed a, a video series. There's 12 10-minute videos, really short, that will show you the state of the world, the state of the country, state of the church, and what we need to do. We call it the pivot. So here's what I want you to do. If you want to know about either of these things, um, go to these two websites. Gapmovement.com will kind of explain the Great Awakening project that's coming. Why we ascend, if you go to the media, section is these videos they're free we will not give us your name and an email if you want to join with us in the great awakening project we need every christian on board we will not ask for money we will not bug you with lots of emails we're here to serve you not drive you batty okay so those are two websites that could help you right now okay jesus said it this way i will build my church the gates of hell will not overcome it some generation we'll see the gospel go to the ends of the earth. Whether or not it's our generation is up to what we do in the next few years. Will we just take the God who's a God of blessing and bring his blessings to all the nations of the earth or not? Here's God's end goal. A great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, language. 
So we've got to get the gospel to that 42%. And it's churches like yours that I'm depending on to rise up and help see that accomplished in the next uh, few years, you guys. And Paul said it this way. He said, you guys, and I want to say it to you, you're already doing a good job in missions. You're doing a great job. And it's churches like yours who can do every more, even more. Paul said, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we'll, we will reap if we do not grow weary. Keep on doing the good work and God will bless you in our country. God bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Fred. Fred, we so appreciate everything you do for the kingdom and how you've been a resource for many, many years. Um, I just want to challenge you today and to remind you that the purpose of the local church, everybody say the purpose. Now remember, we have, we, along, along the, the way, we have lost the purpose. The purpose was for us, for a family, to, for a local church. Local church matters. Everybody say local church matters. And we, we've lost that. And what, ha what has happened over the years, there have been some fragmenting of the purpose of the local church. Purpose of the local church for us to be a family, for us to, to rally together, to raise up young people, to go and be missionaries, to go and preach the gospel, to go and plant churches in places that don't have churches. This is the purpose of our church, that we would be a part of God saving those who don't know Jesus, equipping those who do know Jesus, and then everything we do being saturated with the power of the Holy Spirit that people would encounter God and realize this God that you speak of is real. Amen? It's that simple. And what's happened over the years, as I spoke a little bit about last week, is that thieves and robbers have hopped into the church and taught things that distracted the church from rallying together to preach the gospel, to reach those who don't know him and we have sent resources and time and energy doing things that do not advance the purpose and will of God which is all the world would know and hear his voice and respond to his voice and become saved and transformed and the world would know him and the age of the Gentiles would be fulfilled. And when that happens, then all Israel, which is all of, all of the Gentiles, all of the believing Jews would become one kingdom and Jesus would come and save us and then his millennial reign would continue. That's a lot of what I, that's a lot of what I just said, but we need to understand something. The church is called to be a part of preaching the gospel. 42% doesn't know. What's our part? What's our part? Part of the purpose of the local church that we would bring our resources together. Yes, through our tithes, that is for the storehouse, for us to be taken care of, for the, to reach our city and our nation and to be able to proclaim the gospel, to advance and for, to worship God with that. Then there is our offerings that we give to world missions. We wanna make Jesus famous everywhere. And I always, you know, every time we, we speak of, of missions, people are like, oh, you know, but Jason, there's people here who need Jesus. I know, we're gonna reach them. Well, but. But what about these people in this nation? I know we're going to reach them. How are we going to reach them? We're going to empower our young people, those of you here who feel the call of God to go and be a minister, to go and be a missionary, to reach a nation that doesn't have Christ there. The question for all of us is not always would you go. The question is, parents, would you release would you release? And I'll be honest, we have had some of our young people go and respond to the call of God, but it wasn't because we had some system here that we were doing it. It's because they just responded. That's a failure on our part. It's time, church, for us to put the gospel front center of who we are as a church as we equip each other, love each other, serve each other, reach our city and send our people to the nations. And then we support them, then we send team, teams to serve them, and they come back and we love on them and we pray for them, we encourage them, and then we send someone else somewhere else and we partner together. That's what a local church is to be. It's us 
God has a call in our lives. And I just want to ask you today if you would consider giving to our missions program that's committed to these things. It's committed to making Jesus famous everywhere. It's committed to target the 42% that have not heard the gospel, have not heard. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit radical. Uh, this is how I, I believe that God wants to take a life and wring it out on this earth for the purpose of the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who have not heard. And there is those who go, those who give, those who pray, those who rally and encourage. And what is your part? And all I'm asking you as your pastor is just for you to consider where God would lead you. Everyone, when, this, when you came in, you were given this pamphlet here. And if you open it, you can see all the, all the beautiful faces of the missionaries that we support. But we are committed in our next season. We believe that we are in a new spiritual geography that has never existed before on the face of the planet. We're in it right now. And God's asking us if we have enough faith, enough courage to lean in and say, God, what do you want us to do about this new spiritual geography? How do you want us to, to traverse this new area of, of, of what God wants to do on the earth? Parents, I want you to pray and tune your ear to what God is saying about your children. Are they called to the nations? Are they called to plant a church? Are they called to, to be a part of fulfilling the Great Commission. I, I, I want to be a part of the Great Commission, but I'd rather be a part of the Great Completion, wouldn't you? That's what I would want to be a part of. And the heart of God is beating, not for the greatest and the best and the best looking and the, and the most talented. He's looking for someone who will say, God, I'll do it. If that's your will for my life, I'll do it. If it's not your will for me to go, then Lord, I'll give, I'll do it. I'll do it, God, and I'll pray, and I'll be a, be a part of the mission to make Jesus famous everywhere. Is it you? I said this first service, and I said, you know, we're coming into a day and age where people are going to have to be okay with God calling them to fulfill his dream and they're going to have to lay down the American dream. We got, I got one amen on that. I appreciate that. It's a challenge. But it's where we are. If we want to see God move and use our church, the greatest thing we could do is be invested into his passion. And we saw that, that he was so good that he sent his son. And then he said, now boys... I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit's going to come. It's going to empower you so that you can go and do what I just said to do. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He's going to raise up faces and figureheads. He's going to raise up financial people who are supporting. He's going to raise up warriors who are praying. He's going to raise up churches who are sending and gathering, being equipped and, and raising up families and equipping families and serving families and children and marriages and young adults and singles. And then we're going to say, are you called to go? Are you called to give? Are you called to pray? But it's one of them. So if you could pick this card up, just wave it, go like this, just wiggle it, wiggle it up in there if you got one. Everybody, 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 okay, great. If you could pray where God would lead you. There's, if you look at this, there's a, a, a chance or a, an opportunity to give monthly. You feel like, you know what, I want to give monthly. There's a one-time gift. And you can do this online at faith.church slash missions pledge. Or you can write a check and give it today. If you feel like God's called you into missions, you can reach out to Pastor Mark and mark.davies at faith.church. But I would ask you that as you give, that as we give, and this is so important because it's how the kingdom works, what we give to missions is to be above our tithes. It's to be above what, what God has called us and invited us to do through the tithing in our local body. But this is above this is by, in, a, in a fresh new way by faith. And friends, I believe the Lord wants to give faith an inheritance that exists of the nations of the world. Amen? Ask of him for the nations for your inheritance.
And so I just want to give you a moment as you look over this to hear the voice of God. A hundred percent of everything you give to missions goes to our missions program, a hundred percent of it. So I, want to, I just want to encourage you with that. God has something in front of us. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. And over the next several weeks, you're going to hear how we're going to be targeting some unreached areas, unreached people groups, and how you can be a part of reaching them, of going to them for the purpose of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for who you are. Lord, today we have been challenged with the stark reality of the need of the gospel in the nations and the need of the unsaved in our community. But God, today, we say yes to whatever you ask us. God, this is not about um, coercion or guilt or shame. This is about responding to be a part of reaching those who you so loved that you sent your son to reach. God, today, may we open our hearts to say yes to the call to either plant a church or be trained to go and plant a church or be trained to go and serve in a church in another nation. Lord, we lift our eyes to you and respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit that says, come on, be a part of what I'm doing. Lord, we recognize today that you bless churches that make a decision. They're going, be, they're going to be a blessing to the nations. Lord, the blessing of this church is about our commitment to bless our community and the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is nothing else. It is only based on the gospel. And so, Lord, today we make that decision that we want to increase and be encouraged and invited into that great great adventure of the nations of the world. So God, those who are in this pamphlet, we pray that you would bless them and strengthen them. God, for those who hear this message and to myself, speak to us about what you want us to do. And may we respond out of obedience. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen. Let's all say